Please turn in your New Testaments to Colossians 2, 18 and 19. Colossians 2, 18 and 19. I'm going to be using an example from one of those great saints that have gone before in a little bit from church history. But this is the Word of God. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection from the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows and God causes it to grow. There was a, a woman whose husband absolutely adored her. He loved to be with her. But the strangest thing happened in their marriage. And rather than being with him, and rather than talking to him and listening to him, she would watch a YouTube video that she produced and put on the internet that was about 52 seconds long that was about how her husband made her feel loved. Now, the strange thing was, is she's watching this YouTube video while he's sitting next to her. And she won't talk to him. She doesn't want to listen to him. And uh, she watches the video over and over and over and, and some other videos that other people have put on that, that kind of make her feel something about her marriage. And she would go out and tell everyone how loved she felt by her husband and that the YouTube video technique was the key to her healthy marriage. Now, we say, what is that? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy in a marriage. That's exactly what we do with Jesus Christ. That's exactly what's going on in Colossians 2, 18 and 19. We are Jesus' bride. We are His wife. He has died so that we can have a relationship with Him and He with us. And He adores His bride. And He wants so much to, 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 for His bride to know Him and, and to be known by Him. But you know what? We're just there kind of looking for some other thing. Some kind of shortcut. Some kind of special spiritual thing that will make us feel better about our relationship with Him and, and make us feel better about ourselves. And there He is for us to talk to in prayer, for us to listen to in the Word of God and to learn about in, in community in the church. Jesus said, I am with you always. You know, this is the lure of what is called mysticism. That's a big word, but uh, I'll, I'll just tell you from cl the classical Christian perspective that mysticism simply is any way to access God outside of what the Word of God says. 
In other words, it's, it's not just enough to know Jesus and to walk with Him and to listen to Him through His Word and to pray to Him through prayer and to get to know Him through His people. We, we find other spiritual ways outside of what the Word of God has said, these mystical ways, if you will, to do that. And basically what Paul's saying in this text is stay away from mysticism. Get deeper into Jesus. See that He's right there and He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know His love. He, he wants you to grow deeper into Him. And Paul basically is saying this. Christianity is about Christ. Mysticism is about me. Let me say that again. This is how you'll know when you've run into mysticism. Christianity is about Christ. Mysticism is about me. Christianity is about Christ. It's what... Christ has done for me that He has left heaven, that He has taken my sin, all my sin, before a holy God in, in whom there just cannot be. I mean that God who dwells in inapproachable light and glory that no man can look upon Him and live. That God has come, He has taken our sin, and He has been punished in our place so that there is no more condemnation for those who... Quit trying to come to God on their own. Quit trying to, you know, leopards can't change their spots and we can't change the fact that we're selfish and sinful and we just can't transform ourselves to be holy like God. So God has just handled it by His initiatory love through His Son, His own love. And God has just taken the sin punishment away if we would just put our faith in Him. And not only is what Christ has done for us, it, it's therefore who Christ continues to be for us daily the one who loves us the one who wants us to know him to be intimate with the one who wants to direct our lives the one who wants to give a kind of fullness and answer questions in our lives that you don't even know how to ask yet he is so good he's that kind of husband christianity is about christ i'd like you to look in colossians 2 i want to read a few verses to kind of move up and kind of reset what what Paul is saying about the center of our, our lives with Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Anything outside of Christ to know God, reject it. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book in 1972. It's my favorite Francis Schaeffer book. I would recommend it to everybody. It's called True Spirituality. If you'd like, you've, maybe you've heard about Francis Schaeffer hanging around here. He's one of our, our, our favorite guys in many ways about engaging culture. If you want to read one Francis Schaeffer book, buy True Spirituality. Francis Schaeffer basically saying in a modern world, we need to rediscover what is biblical or true spirituality Francis Schaeffer gets to the same place Paul does. It's about life in the grace of God. It's about life in the gospel. It's about knowing Jesus. Francis Schaeffer writes, the question before us in true spirituality, the question before us is what the Christian life, true spirituality really is and how it may be lived out in a modern setting. It is impossible to even begin living the Christian life or to know anything about true spirituality before one has received Christ. 
In other words, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ. That's why God sent him. There is no true spirituality. There's lots of spirituality, but no true spirituality outside of God's connection through God's work. He goes on to say, and the only way to become a Christian is not by living some sort of Christian life, nor by hoping for some sort of religious experience, but rather simply accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. When you've put your trust in Jesus, you are rejecting all other philosophies, all other religions, and you're saying, you know what? God is holy. He has done it in Christ. I want to know Him. He has come for me. I want that relationship with Him. And you know what's great about it is? This becomes your new life. And it becomes, you ready for this? Every day. God loves you every day. God forgives you every day. God will never leave you or forsake you. God wants you to know Him every day. Verse 13 of Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, listen to this, God made you alive, gave you a new life. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us before a holy God and stood opposed to us, He took away that record of our sin. He nailed it to the cross, Paul says, and it's gone. Hallelujah. And now in Christ, Paul says, look, you not only have forgiveness, you have a new life, and there's this word. Y'all ready for a great Greek word? Pleroma. Pleroma is one of the main words in the book of Colossians. It's the word fullness. The false teacher said, hey, we are all about getting you to the real pleroma. Paul says this in verse 9 of chapter 2. For in Christ is all the pleroma, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given pleroma, fullness in Christ. You see what Paul's saying is, you want fullness? If you have Christ, you have it all. Nothing has been withheld from you. You're just going to spend the rest of your life living into this wonderful knowledge of grace. Living into what it actually means. To learn how to love. What, what it is to experience forgiveness and to forgive other people and to live out of the wonder of knowing Jesus. So first, Christianity is about Christ. But mysticism, the false teachers, mysticism is about me. It's like watching a YouTube video when Jesus is just sitting there. It's all about the way I want to feel about myself. It's all the way, it's just all about me. And the false teachers in Colossae, they said, hey, you want fullness? Jesus is a great place to start, but we've got the really cool spiritual stuff. And when you do our stuff, you really feel spiritual. And it's really neat. And we've got the secret words and the secret prayers and the mantras and all this that unlock all the real doorways of the real blessing. I mean, great job starting out in Jesus. But we've got all the secrets, and, and, and you can't find it in the Bible. You've got to have us. Just come with us. We'll give you more spiritual cash right now. I mean right now. 
than you could ever dream. All this stuff about walking with God over time and growing. You know, you can't grow immediately, right? Growing and talking to Him through prayer and listening to Him through the Word and and growing with one another in community. Man, we're just going to give you spiritual cash now. And, And sure enough, we love things that are quick. I do. Quick and effective. I'm all about quick and effective, aren't y'all? Technology that is blinding fast and powerful to help me save steps. This is good. Nothing wrong with technology that's blinding fast and powerful to save steps. But I'm going to tell you something. The Christian life is not like technology. It's about a life. Live with other people. With a heart that needs God every day and, and needs to root down in a, in a true relationship with the God who loves us through Jesus. Verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility. You listen to this stuff that's going on in Colossae. The worship of angels. I mean, this is pretty wild, isn't it? This is cool, edgy, spiritual stuff. I mean, you can find this stuff on the internet if you want to. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility, really spiritual, and the worship of angels to disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what what they have seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. Verse 19, because he has lost connection with Jesus. He's lost connection from the head from whom the whole body is supported and together with its ligaments and sinews, hear these words, grows as God causes it to grow over time. Grows. Can you see the false teachers coming to these tender new Christians? I mean, folks, these were people living in the Greco-Roman world of outlandish violence and sexuality and and all kinds of disrespect of persons. And, I mean, the consciences of these people were just so burned and suddenly the gospel came and you can be forgiven through Jesus. God will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. He will remember them no more. No, you haven't gone too far. God loves you and God wants you. There are people here this morning who need to hear that. No, you haven't gone too far. God loves you and He wants you. How do I know? Because God sent His only Son to take care of the sin of sinners. You want to hang out with us? There's one qualification. You've got to be a sinner that loves the grace of God. You can just see them coming to these tender souls that just kind of fell in love with Jesus. Experience that forgiveness, a new life. They're hungry. They want to grow. You know the problem with mysticism? A big part of it is we really do want to grow. I mean, we really are sincere in in that sense. But unfortunately, we're impatient as well as sincere. And, And we are going to be a setup, particularly modern people like us, for that shortcut. Just like they were in the ancient world. Can you see them telling these little tender Christians, hey, look, you're not a real Christian. Until you've had our experience. I mean, God talked to me this morning. Not 2,000 years ago. This morning. And He wants me to tell you something. Do you want to hear from God immediately and directly? You need to listen to me. And by the way, you don't need, 
don't just listen to me. I can train you how to have these experiences too. I know the right ways to say the things that unlock the right doorways to all the blessings. Don't go in for this boring, Paul's boring, everyday, garden variety, grace of God Christianity. Think of what you could have right now. And Paul says in verse 18 that through their mystical experiences, they pretend to be so godly. A guru. So humble. But it's just pride because it's all about my experience and how you need to have the same experience as me. Because mysticism isn't about exalting Jesus Christ. It's not about the cross. It's not about the wonder of the fact that we shouldn't even know this God except for Jesus. And we get to live with Him forever. This is about what I want and what I get from God. They taught these secret phrases, secret techniques. They went as far as to say, it's so wild. Look, we even know the names of the specific angels, like your guardian angels. I mean, they're like right next to God. And so if you know the angels and you're able to get in with the angels, and we're the ones that know how to get you in with the angels, they'll tap, tap God on the shoulder, so to speak, and say, hey, Joseph Wheat needs a favor from you. As if there's some really spiritual about angels and, and, and angels are just right next to God and way far off from Jesus. We're like, what is this about angels? Well, go on the Internet and do uh, angels on the Internet. You'll be shocked at what people think about angels today. Paul says that these things, all these mystical experiences, worship of angels, they can, quote, disqualify you from the prize. Let me tell you the Greek word here is the image of an umpire in a sporting event. And the umpire, let's say you're running a track meet, right? So you're in your lane and you're running hard, and if you get out of your lane, what's the umpire say? You're disqualified. And, and what Paul's saying is, hey, look, we started with Christ. Not these philosophies, not this stuff. You're running so well, kind of like the book of Galatians. You're running so well. Don't get out of your lane, Spiritually, with Christ, with it, you'll get disqualified. And notice how they not only give techniques, but they promise immediate, unmediated experiences of God. Unme- I'm talking about direct. Like right there, face to face with God, words out of God's mouth like Moses heard words out of God's mouth. Such a person, verse 18, goes into great detail about what he has seen. Oh, Jesus appeared to me at the foot of my bed and we talked for 45 minutes this morning. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You tell me that Yahweh God appeared to you and talked to you and, and you got something to say to me from Yahweh God? You tell me that Jesus, an angel, or Jesus himself talked to you this morning, you got something to say to me, you better bring your Bible. Because if it doesn't square with what God has actually said that is reliable, that I can count on, I don't care what you say. Because the subjective never trumps the objective. Do you understand that? That's how you get disqualified. But it's so exciting. God talked to me 25 minutes ago about you. And he wants me to say something to you. (laughs) 
the question these tender believers in Colossae would be asked, would, would you rather learn from God's Word over time and, and through prayer and just the ordinary Christian life, or would you just rather have the revelation, the, 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 one, the direct experience right now? If you follow this, you can have the same experiences, and it's immediate. Now look, can we just admit we like immediate? I mean, we get this in other areas of our lives, do we not? I mean, would you really, would you rather buy a pill that caused you to lose all the weight you wanted in a week or set some kind of goal for nine months of a diet and exercise? I'm all about buying that pill. What about y'all? I mean, would you rather make a lot of money in the stock market tomorrow morning by closing bell tomorrow afternoon or work for that money for the next five years. I'm all about making it tomorrow morning. Let me tell you, that, that mysticism right there could cost you in your portfolio, actually. Be careful of that. Same thing about our spirituality. Here's the simple formula. Here's the, the spiritual technique that will give you the deeper Christian life right now. You want some examples? I'm going to give you some examples in the church, and then I'm going to give you some examples outside of the church. And if you don't mind, I'm going to rant a little bit for a few minutes. It's all about these spiritual formulas. It's all about how the Christian life is easy. If anybody ever tells you the Christian life is easy, run! Life in a fallen world is never easy. Look, Jesus' yoke is easy not because Jesus makes things easy, it's because Jesus is with us and His power is going to bring us through, but it's still going to be hard even though it's His power and not ours. You understand that you don't go up and over if you're a Christian. You've got to go through sickness. You've got to go through jobs. You've got to go through bosses. You've got to go through kids. You, you just have Jesus and His power. An example is of one of these formulas is what's called the exchanged life don't listen to that. Now, I'm not talking about justification. God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange called salvation. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about where you kind of have this um shakalaka moment where you say, oh, Jesus, you're the hand and I'm the glove, and, and just kind of saying this thing makes you perfect. No. Anybody who says you can be perfect in this life, run as fast as you can from them because they have just sinned <laughs> you know this whole thing that the deeper christian life i remember early on as a as a christian i had somebody come to me and they just kept saying you know what what you need i mean i thought the bible and prayer and the church and just i thought it was about growth over time i didn't realize what i needed was a crisis of faith to be able to surrender and then be perfect i'm like dude i have a crisis of faith every morning every day Oh, no, no, no. You will just have this crisis of faith. You will let go and let God. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. I mean, I don't let God. God's God. I'm not God. We don't let God. <laughs> we walk with God because He's merciful and gracious. We don't let God do anything. God is pleased to be with us through Jesus Christ. Christianity is about Christ. 
Mysticism is about me and these um shakalaka feelings that I get from these little trite sayings. You've got to have the second blessing. Somebody else grabbed me pretty early and said, oh, it's not enough to know Jesus. You've got to have the second blessing. And you have the second blessing, you'll have this, that, and the other. I guess you need the third blessing after that and the fourth blessing after that. Or we got this spiritual Christian versus carnal Christian thing. That was early on in my Christian life. I mean, I was having a rough time. It was a rough Jeep ride theologically for me after I came to Jesus. I was just, just like this turbo pagan in the Sigma Alpha Epsilon house that couldn't get over grace and loved Jesus and loved prayer and wanted to eat up the Word of God. I just didn't realize I had to do all this stuff. No, 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 no. You know what? You know, you, you'll, be, you'll become a spiritual Christian as opposed to a carnal one. And, and here's the diagram. And all the stuff in your life, with all the lines in your life, will be perfect. Really. I have never had that moment where everything in my life is perfect. Maybe that's because I'm the carnal Christian. I don't know. And of course, it's not just all these little formulas that we hear. And they are all out there. Don't listen to that stuff. It's a life, not a formula. That's mysticism. But of course, we've got Eastern mysticism mixed with Christianity like crazy now. Do you realize that over half of the people in the evangelical, that is, quote, Bible-believing church, no longer believe Jesus is the only way to God? These are recent surveys. Over half the people in the Bible-believing church no longer consider the Bible exclusively the Word of God. What's going on? Well, other ways. Other things, particularly Eastern things, where our beliefs are going to be Christian, but our practice is going to be Eastern. It's, it's going to be more meditation, emptying your mind, and we'll have people teach us how to empty. That is not how you meditate. You fill your mind with God's glory and the wonder of His truth. Meditate on God. And it's true. Don't just empty your mind. Complete with Eastern meditation and, and the spirituality, bodily stretching, feng shui. I mean, make me laugh out loud. You got to get the furniture right so the chi will flow through your house. I mean, what? What are Christians doing with that, man? I'm like chi, chi whiz. What are you doing? <laughs> and all the breathing exercises. Now look, I know that's cool because when you're stretching and pulling your leg over your shoulder and all that and in your breathing, you, look, it reduces stress and we're already too busy. Look, you can be a Christian and stretch. It's okay. <laughs> you can be a Christian and breathe. Just don't do it for those reasons that I empty your mind and get in touch with the the world and we're all one. We're not one with the world. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is crazy. Mysticism. It's about me. What I can get. It's like watching a video just to be reminded of how I need to feel about myself with my husband and he's sitting right there. Christianity is about Christ. Look at verse 19. It's the key. Verse 19, he, the, the mystic, the false teacher, he has lost connection with the head, who is Christ, from, with the head from whom the whole body, 
supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows and causes it to grow. The Christian life here is being cast as being through Jesus only as our head, and it's being cast as, a, as organic. Do you notice that? We have Him as our salvation. We never let go of the gospel. We never stop living outside of the wonder of the grace of God. We want to grow deeper into that wonder. We want to grow deeper into the truth of Scripture. We want to grow deeper into the, the knowledge of what prayer is. We want, in, in, in a relationship with Jesus by grace, to learn how to love, don't we? We want to, we want to grow up and learn how to sacrifice. We're not just after spiritual power for ourselves. We're after spiritual transformation even for others and even the significant people in our lives and how to love them with Jesus' love. Yeah, it's, it's cast here as, as very organic. Um, notice the word grow twice. This is, what it, this is over time. This is a life. In case you don't know, you don't grow instantly. How do you grow? You, you know, you, you have your child stand against the wall. You mark right on the top of his head on the doorway. And you know what? If you have him stand there the next morning, you're going to mark it, and the mark's going to be in the same place. You've got to come back six months from now and say, Honey, look at how much you've grown, because it's, it's only through life that you grow. Look at verse 19 again. He's lost connection with the head, the reality of who Jesus is, and, and the truth that comes from Jesus, who from, from the whole body, supported and held together with its ligaments, and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. But the other thing is, it's not only that it's organic and it's all about Christ, and, and it's growth, it's an everyday thing. And may I just say, we're trained in our culture to hate the ordinary. You know, we live for the weekend. So like Monday through Friday, blah. You know, we live for the, the vacation. There's nothing wrong with vacations. nothing wrong with weekends. Please don't misunderstand me. We live for the next purchase. Nothing wrong with the next purchase. Don't even try to go there with me. You're just trying to get out of what I'm trying to teach you if you go there. But we are, we are trained to hate just the ordinariness of life. I'm going to tell you something. God is in the glorious ordinary of just loving each other. In Jesus' name, with the power of that same grace, which is the second thing, is that this thing is cast as a body. You get that? The, sig the sinews and the ligaments. You know what that means? It literally means you can't even grow without us, without other Christians. One of the problems with mysticism is something you can do at home alone. It's a formula. And it's about you. You cannot even learn theology properly without other people. And, I, and, you know, we, we're going to have all this bumping up next. Like Kevin, he's always causing trouble in the church. He's an elder, I'm teasing. But we've got to deal with Kevin. But, you know, I'm going to grow in Jesus dealing with Kevin. And grow, we're going we're gonna to have to deal with each other. We're going to have to forgive each other. We're going to have to get over it. We're going to have to extend grace. We're going to have to be patient with people that require a lot of patience. And let me tell you, God is going to just show up in His grace. And over time, we're going to grow. Because we don't want to lose hold of the head who is Jesus. And do this thing alone with some little spiritual mantras and, and some little do-it-yourself home chemistry set religion. We're going to do it together. Daily. 
Jesus is all about making disciples, right? Go and make disciples of all the nations. Let me ask you a question. How long does it take to make one of those? Well, if a disciple is a, a fully committed follower, student of Jesus Christ, it, takes, it may take a long time. Could we even say a lifetime? Look, I don't know about you, but I'm strangely comforted by that. But you know, I'm a mess. But God's working with me on my mess now. And I get to grow over time. And I get to apologize to, to, to you. And you get to apologize to me. And we get to grow deeper into the truth of the gospel and actually live the gospel out. We get to grow deeper into the major themes and, and all what the Word of God Wants us to teach. We get to judge everything we see, hear, taste, smell by the truth. The Word of God that we can rely on. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I tell you, sometimes it just feels slower than a crock pot, doesn't it? God's just stewing all this stuff together. And we live in a microwave world. And so, I mean, yeah, we are kind of sincere, and that's one of the reasons we, we might go for some mysticism, but man, you mix that sincerity with some impatience. God's not doing what He's supposed to do. I'm going to find another way. I'm going to find a way to make Him do what He needs to do. We're kind of looking more for a sugar high from God than we would ever want to admit out loud. Kind of looking for the feeling we get from a YouTube video while God's sitting right there with us as our bridegroom, our husband, who wants us to know Him deeply. I did want to quote from church history and then finish. Martin Luther was the, the leader of what was called the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther came at a time where in the history of the church, salvation and rightness with God was measured by works, by indulgences. You could actually buy, buy your salvation, buy forgiveness. And Martin Luther had discovered, you know, salvation's not by works. It's not by purchase. Salvation is by the work of Jesus Christ alone. And Jesus said it is finished. And salvation is not a matter of gaining righteousness toward God so one day He'll be impressed with me enough to accept me. It's about the fact that Christ died for my sins and when I put my trust in Him, I get the righteousness of God. I'm completely acceptable to God based on what Jesus has done and him alone. Will you ever get over that? I won't. Martin Luther discovered that. He was just beside himself. As my friend said, he was like falling down drunk on hundred proof grace. And he was preaching grace. And people started coming to know Christ left and right when they heard the real gospel. And then he did the unthinkable. This was in a time when the church refused to allow ordinary church members to actually have a copy of the Holy Scriptures in their own language. It was against the law to translate it out of the Latin into the comma. He had the nerve to translate the entire Bible into German. And he distributed it. And people not only were getting free before God because of the grace of Jesus, people began to grow. People began to see how it all fits together. Ordinary folks and cobblers and tailors suddenly were becoming over time theologians. There were, there, were, there were people helping in each other and, and, and the pastors. and It was an, an amazing leap forward. And then there was this guy who came up under Luther's ministry. His name, if you want to go do a hiss right here, you can. His name was 
Thomas Munzer. Now, most of you have not heard about Thomas Munzer because he was tortured and then hanged. But before he was tortured and then hanged, Thomas Munzer felt that what Luther had done was not near radical enough. Thomas Munzer said, this whole Reformation thing is going way too slow. We need to speed it up. And he came out publicly and he said, I want you to know that the Word of God that Luther has given to you has, is, is not worth reading. That we should not read the Word of God. We should not care about the Word of God because we are not people who read about others' visions. We ought to be people like Ezekiel ourselves. And Daniel ourselves. We should have the direct Word of God. And I am raising up a new class of prophets with new revelations. And we're going to get this thing moving fast and immediate. And he was persuasive. He was charismatic. He took over an entire city. He started criticizing Martin Luther. And if you know about Martin Luther, he was was pretty stout in the way he jousted back and forth. He started criticizing Martin Luther and um, publicly... Uh, called for Luther to give up the Bible that he translated, he cried, Dr. Easy Chair. That's what he called him. Bible, Babel, Bubble. Meaning, don't need the Scriptures. Luther wrote back. (laughs) I want to give you the three things Luther said. Luther wrote back and said that he wanted to go on record publicly to basically say that he was obviously not as spiritual as Thomas Munzer because he freely admitted he was so weak that he needed God's Word every day. And then he said, and I quote, we'll get to my favorite one in a minute, I wouldn't follow Thomas Munzer and all of this mysticism. I wouldn't follow Thomas Munzer though he had, quote, swallowed the Holy Ghost feathers and all. And then my personal favorite, which is exactly what Paul is saying in Colossians 2, 18 and 19. He said, I slap your spirit on the snout. (laughs) Meaning, it's false. It's like a pig. It's like a lie. I I see your, I slap your spirit on the snout. (laughs) We, We need stuff like that in the press these days, you know. Hey, Paul is saying Christianity is about Christ. You get all you will ever need in the gospel of Jesus. And what we get to do is live in that grace and talk to Him through prayer and learn from Him in the Scriptures and learn together in community and remember Christ through the sacraments. Over time, it's like a Himalayan mountain range that just keeps coming into greater and greater view that we learn and grow in. The fullness is in Christ. Now let me quote one more time from Francis Schaeffer from True Spirituality. Yet I have the feeling, he wrote, that even people who have been well taught about salvation and even people who have been well taught about many other aspects of doctrine,